Welcome to the Freedom Revival. I'm your host, Bruce Robertson. If you've been listening to this show uh, over the last few weeks, you'll know that I'm very fond of quotes. And you know, Mark Twain once said, God created war so that Americans would learn geography. Well, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty accurate. You know, uh, Benjamin Franklin also said, democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting on what to have for lunch. And liberty is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. That's, uh, that's pretty uh, poignant uh, information there. And, uh, you know, today on the Freedom Revival, we're going to see just how true that is. But first, I want to go to um, uh, something that I've been doing a lot lately, and that's the Freedom Revival Top 10 news items. Um, First of all, there was the Maui News blackout. These are things that uh, haven't been reported in the media, so the media is not sharing uh, this information accurately. They're uh, sort of censoring or self-censoring what they report to you, so I feel it's our job to kind of get the news out as much as possible. Uh, The Maui News blackout, there were no reporters allowed in Lahaina. There were no cameras, no drones allowed, Uh, High fences were built around the the, uh, scene of the fires. Um, You know, what are they hiding? Residents and homeowners were not allowed into the zone. They weren't allowed to go to their homes. Uh, The mayor and the governor promised to fast-track rebuilding, and now they're saying they're going to prohibit building. Uh, Nothing close to the beach because of climate change, you know. So uh, it's a little sketchy what's going on there. I mean, they had permitted the Waldorf Astoria to do a massive renovation on the water not long ago in Lahaina. So who knows what's going on? The the um, the fire increasingly looks sketchy in terms of the cause. It doesn't look like it was a wildfire, folks. It looks like it was something else. And I'll leave it up to you to decide what it was. Some people are saying directed energy attack. Some people are saying fires were sparked through electronic devices. Um, let's just say it wasn't climate change. Uh, Reuters reported uh, El Paso, Texas is now at the breaking point due to overwhelming hordes of illegal invaders. They're getting more than 2,000 people a day at that border crossing, uh, oppo- supposedly seeking asylum, but we know that they're just invading our country. Uh, they've they've exceeded the shelter capacity there, and the mayor said on Saturday that uh, he's they're just overwhelmed. They don't have the uh, they don't have the resources to handle this. It's an invasion of our country, folks. The Mayo Clinic now says that hydroxychloroquine can be used to treat COVID. Well, how about that? After they banned it, um, how many lives were lost because the FDA, the CDC, the media, and Democrats at large demonized and diminished and banned hydroxychloroquine so that people were deprived of this important pre-hospital treatment? Some of us, including me, were, were saved by it. I mean, my doctor found a way to prescribe it to me, and... Uh, I, uh, you know, I popped back up without going to the hospital. I had a pretty severe case. So uh, the authorities bent over backwards to deplatform and cancel anybody who was speaking about it, including me back then. Uh, And, um, you know, they paid social media to crush anybody talking about it. 
they even created a fake study in the Lancet Medical Journal saying that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous. And they were finally forced to take that article down because, uh, you know, it was false and it was proven false, but not until all the damage was done. So, um, you know, it was the same for ivermectin and uh, and some other supplements. You know, the criminal collusion in in this situation just is is mind blowing. The real question is, do we have the resolve and enough uh, enough uh, fortitude to do what is necessary to prosecute and punish these people for what they've done? Another news alert, the House has announced that they've been lining up witnesses for the launch of the Joe Biden impeachment probe. They've launched that probe and some of our House representatives are going after it with a vengeance. Um, I just I just saw uh, Byron um, Byron Donalds, who uh, who I was with a couple of weeks ago in Palm Beach. Byron Donalds uh, did an amazing job outlining the evidence on the case because, you know, the Democrats have been saying, oh, there's no evidence. It's a witch hunt. No evidence. It's a witch hunt. You know, they just keep on repeating the same sad tale. Uh, meanwhile, there's tons of evidence and it's not a witch hunt. Uh, Byron Donalds, if you can find that uh, clip, it's it's really telling uh, what he uh, presented. He interviewed some forensic accounting witnesses. An ABC News poll in other news showed uh, President Donald Trump with a commanding 10-point lead over Joe Biden in a head-to-head race for the presidency in 2024. It's still early, folks, but it's a pretty good sign. Uh, Another recent poll showed President Trump with a commanding lead over his Republican rivals. Uh, Trump is currently trending at 45% in in the Republican primaries with uh, surprise Nikki Haley moving to a distant second place in this horse race with uh she's got 15 percent and desantis and ramaswamy are tied at 11 percent so nikki haley stepped ahead now uh if you've been listening you know that uh i don't believe nikki haley is uh, constitutionally eligible to be president and we've got a lot of problems with uh, article two of the constitution with these candidates that they keep throwing up in our faces that aren't eligible Uh, Natural born citizenship is a real thing. And you can go back to the podcasts on Apple Podcasts or the other podcast sources, and you can find my uh, my entire show on uh, natural born citizenship. Uh, Another report from the House investigation on COVID shows that Fauci, Dr. Fauci, collaborated with the CIA to control the COVID narrative on social media. So he secretly snuck in and met with the CIA. We don't know how many times. And uh, apparently they were trying to, you know, the CIA had its tentacles in all the social media companies. And they were uh, dictating what happened at those social media companies. So, uh, you know, it's it looks like Fauci collaborated with the CIA to get social media to censor any dissent on his COVID narrative, the masking the vaccinations, the isolation, the lockdowns, all of that stuff that uh, that Fauci pushed. If you talked about it, you got your account shut down on Facebook and Twitter back then. You you weren't allowed to speak about it. Also, the media wasn't speaking about it, and the fact checkers were hammering anybody who spoke about it. Uh, it, it really looks like a na- nasty criminal collusion going on there. 
Uh, J.P. Morgan, they've already paid out two hundred ninety million in a class action lawsuit by victims of uh, two victims of uh, Jeffrey Epstein, but they've uh, also just settled the case uh, brought by the U.S. Virgin Islands, which claims that the bank colluded with Jeffrey Epstein and they knew of his and the bank knew of his sex trafficking. Uh, they reached a confidential settlement there for $75 million. I guess we'll never know what happened there because it's a confidential settlement. RFK Jr. says that Big Pharma profited $60 billion a year from vaccines. But they profit $500 billion a year from vaccine injuries. He explains that sooner, the sooner uh, they can get to you on one... <laughs> I'm sorry. He explains the sooner they can get to get you on lifelong medical treatment, the sooner they can turn a profit. Hmm. And uh, Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine joined uh, Trudeau, President Trudeau, in the Canadian Parliament this week to praise Yaroslav Hunka, a 98-year-old Ukrainian Nazi who served in the Waffen-SS in World War II. Hey, isn't that guy a war criminal? Just asking. Uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine has now also fired the uh, American transgender uh, media spokesperson. Uh, Let's call him a spokesperson. That spokesperson has now come out as a whistleblower saying that there's a well-known Nazi element in the Ukrainian military. Hmm. We've been hearing that for months now, maybe over a year now. In other news, uh, Zelensky appoints the spirit-cooking, blood-drinking Satanist Marina Abramovich to become ambassador for Ukraine and to help rebuild the schools there. Sketchy, sketchy story. Uh, finally, it seems that a judge has just arbitrarily determined that Mar-a-Lago, President Donald Trump's pristine estate in Palm Beach, is worth $18 million. <laughs> Have you ever been to Palm Beach? Has anybody, any of you ever been to Palm Beach? Okay, there's there's no home on Palm Beach on even a quarter of an acre that's, uh, that's for sale uh, for that price. I mean, you know, the average home here is is tremendously high. Real estate prices have skyrocketed. The clear reason that this judge is doing this is uh, to attempt to show that Trump overinflated his property value to obtain bank loans. So now they can accuse him and maybe indict him for bank fraud. That's the idea here. The problem with this ruling is this. No court can arbitrarily determine a company's or a property's valuation for the purpose of lending or taxation. Okay, this is why we have uh, certified, licensed, professional auditors, assessors, investment bankers, uh, governed by generally accepted principles, procedures, formulas, even regulations. Uh, some people do evaluation um, uh, of their, uh, these people actually do evaluation formula calculations every day. Uh, is anyone familiar with a Hewlett-Packard 12C calculator. If you are, and if you went to business school, you know what inputs to use and how to do these calculations. It's not that, uh, it's not rocket science, folks, but it is uh, complicated. In fact, um, you know, bankers are compelled by banking regulations to obtain professional third-party valuations 
on any property used as collateral for a loan. I mean, you know, it's it's ludicrous what this judge is trying to do. In the case of real property, they do a study of comparables. You know, it's it's uh, it's a common practice to you know you know you got to borrow on a you want to borrow buy a piece of property uh, buy it and improve it uh, you know anything like that if you anytime you want to put a bank loan with a property as collateral the bank has to go out and send independent assessors uh, or evaluators out to your property uh, to uh, to figure out how how much it's worth I mean. Um, you know, and they also they'll 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 uh, consider improvements to the property and business uses, uh, any business uses on the property. So, you know, I, I I say to the judge, you know, show us your work. I mean, Rush Limbaugh's home here on Palm Beach Island, where I am, uh, in a bunker like similar to Rush Limbaugh. Uh, um, you know, Rush Limbaugh's home was down the road from Mar-a-Lago. It sold back in March for 155 million, and that was on 2.7 acres. Okay, um, you know, President Trump's Mar-a-Lago stretches from the ocean to the intracoastal waterway. It's on 20 acres, and it has multiple homes and structures on it. There's a beach club. There's a health spa. There's a there's a hair salon. There's two swimming pools. Ten tennis courts. And it's uh it's under sixty the you know it's under the roof covers uh sixty five thousand square feet under heating ventilation and air conditioning, you know Mar-a-Lago isn't worth eighteen million dollars, folks. Uh, the garage alone is worth that. Um, so let's go. Uh, let's uh, get busy now and go to uh, get down to business. Let's go to a uh, uh, topic. Uh, the main topic of the day, the focus of today's show, is Ukraine. It's a nation of nearly 44 million people. It's a little over four times the size of Greece, and it has five million more people than California. That's uh, that's a big place. It's um, it's uh, you know geographically and geopolitically, it occupies a really strategic area because it's smack dab in the center of Eastern Europe. Um, it borders Russia, Belarus, Moldova, Romania, Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, and you know, so all those countries border uh, border Ukraine. I don't know how many Americans can pick out Ukraine on a map, but I think we're getting a geography lesson, much like uh, much like Mark uh, Mark Twain envisioned. Uh, Southern Ukraine. Uh, has a really desirable warm water port uh, called Crimea, and and also along the uh, along the uh, the, the uh, uh, banks of the lake there. The, the the really it's a sea, the Black Sea, which is sort of a vac- it was a vacation area until this war came along, and uh, also the Sea of Azov on the other side of Crimea. So they've got a lot of um, shoreline there uh, toward a warm water port. Uh, this has always been desired by Russia, by the way. Russia has always wanted a warm water port because Russia is a little bit landlocked and they've got, you know, their real access to the sea is in the north where it's very cold and frozen all the time. So um, Ukraine is also the breadbasket of Europe. It has the richest black soil farmland. And uh, Ukraine is also, and I think this is really important, Ukraine is home to the largest central overland gas pipeline network in Europe. 
Okay. It's also one of the largest pipelines in the world. That pipeline delivers Russian gas. I don't know about now, but it delivers Russian gas to Germany, Italy, Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, Turkey, Austria, and Hungary. Now, I've got a map, uh, and you can pull this up online to uh, verify, but uh, I've got a map of all the pipelines that run from Russia toward Europe. And, you know, most of them, in fact, it's except for one of two that go through Belarus, um, they all are, they almost all of them go through Ukraine. And these are the key pipelines that transport gas to uh, Eastern Europe. So it's very strategic, very strategic. And this may be one of the key reasons why the uh, East and West are, are having a tug of war over this. But there are some other reasons I'm going to bring up later. Now, uh, let's talk about some history about Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is a pretty interesting place. I've been there many times. Uh, I've really enjoyed uh, visiting Kiev and the surrounding area. It's it's quite a beautiful place, really. And uh, it's a shame what's going on there right now, um, because uh, the people are wonderful and the food is great. And it's really hearty sort of, you know, uh, I guess you could call it peasant or farmer food. Uh, you know, they make borscht over there. It's 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 a great place. Um, uh, I've enjoyed every time I've been there. Uh, Kiev uh, began, it was founded as what they call the Kievan Rus. Okay, I'm going to give you some history here. It's the basis for all Russian culture and religion. Okay, the, the whole seed of Russia began in Kiev. So there's some cultural, strong cultural ties, historical ties, and also the Russian Orthodox religion. Uh, Vladimir the Great brought Christianity to Ukraine in 988 AD, so just about a thousand years after Christ, and uh, Christianized the Kievan Rus. He brought, they were pagans before, and he brought Christianity uh, back to his people. So this is a key, important point. This conversion to Orthodox Christianity became a fundamental part of the Russian identity. Moscow wasn't even built back then, okay? Kiev was the center and hub of all this, um, you know, early uh, Russian or pan-Russian kind of uh, uh, development. So um, then we fast forward to, uh, you know, uh, World War II and uh um you know the the uh but before world war ii you know ukraine has has seen a lot of turmoil over the years ukraine suffered a horrible hunger crisis during the 1930s uh where nearly four million people died of starvation and that was that was caused by stalin's efforts to crush any ukrainian opposition to soviet collectivism because he was seizing people's farms and they didn't like it so they rose up with pitchforks and, you know, Stalin starved them out. He killed four million people during that starvation uh, uh, plan. And he went in and crushed any rebellion. Uh, so that was in the 1930s. Ukraine was also the central battleground between the Nazis and Stalin's Soviet Communist Red Army uh, during World War II. Okay. A lot of Ukrainians joined the Nazis in order to fight against Stalin. 
And uh, during that time, the, their work with the Nazis found them uh, committing genocide against both the Jewish population and their own people to some extent. So it's a messy, messy history going on. So we fast forward to the fall of the Soviet Union and the Berlin Wall, when the Berlin Wall came down. Um, West Germany was occupied at that time before the Berlin Wall came down. It was occupied by France, the United Kingdom, and the U.S. Uh, West Berlin uh, was controlled by all those entities as well. Berlin was split into East and West Berlin. There was a big wall in between. Uh, people heard of the Berlin Wall. And uh, Russia controlled East Berlin. In, back in 1990, there was a call to reunify Germany under NATO. NATO was just starting in those days. And a deal was made with the Russians. Um, um, you know, NATO was beginning to expand. There were 12 NATO countries, and they were they were reaching uh, a, sort of an expansion. And uh, the deal was made with the Russians. Give up East Germany. And, um, you know, we have 12 countries in NATO. If you give up East Germany and reunify Germany, we uh, will not move another inch east. And that was a deal made with Gorbachev and the Russians in 1990. Uh, and uh, Secretary of State James Baker reassured the Russians then that NATO wouldn't move another inch east. Uh, well, there goes that promise, because since then, NATO has added 15 nations, all of them in Eastern and Northern Europe, and all of them surrounding and in close proximity to Russia. So the argument uh, has been made, and probably can be made, that there was quite a bit of NATO encroachment on Russia since the Berlin Wall fell. And you'll see how this plays in uh, later. So we've got a cultural, uh, fundamental cultural uh, ties with Ukraine and Russia. We've got uh, NATO encroachment all around Russia. We've got a major pipeline going, you know, transporting Russian gas across Ukraine to Eastern Europe and Germany. Um, uh, and here's another factor. There are over 8 million ethnic Russians in Ukraine uh, that live there as Ukrainian citizens. 8 million. That's 17% of the population of Ukraine. But, you know, there's nearly 40% of the population of uh, there. Those people are nearly 40% of the population of eastern Ukraine near the Russian border. That part of the population always supported a stronger relationship with Russia than the West. Okay. Russia invaded Ukraine last year, but this war really began in 2014 when some of these pro Russian sympathizers began uh, uh, protesting in eastern Ukraine. And it turned violent. Um, also, at the same time, there was a huge massacre in Kiev uh, because protests started in the streets. They were they were peaceful, but they were loud and uh, you know aggressive. And uh, you know, Kiev began some military actions in eastern Ukraine, and they began shelling some of these Russian-speaking villages. And uh, in Maidan. Maidan Square, which is the center of Kiev, these protesters were gathered and, uh, you know, camping out sort of and waving signs and shouting and so forth. Uh, but they were unarmed. And, uh, you know, they killed about uh, 
I guess they killed about 100 people. You know, since that time and before 2022, when Russia invaded Ukraine, about 10,000 people have died in those con conflicts. So in the last seven years, we've seen about 10,000 people die uh, in the conflict between Kiev and eastern Ukraine and the Russian-speaking population there and protesters and everything else. So um, it's been messy. It's been really messy and kind of bloody. I mean, uh, 3,400 civilians died in those clashes, and that's before the Russian invasion. So, um, you know, I'm going to go into a little bit more of this after the break uh, about why the United States and other Western countries are involved there. Um, but uh, first, I'd like to talk to you about a couple of our sponsors. Uh, I've been using Cofix RX nasal spray and throat spray uh, for the last uh, month or so. And uh, it's got peroxid, it's got uh, povidone iodine, it's got xylitol, it's got vitamin D3, and it's scientifically proven to cleanse germs, bacteria, viruses, and particles, uh, particulate matter. And it's made in the good old USA. That's another great thing about it. Um, so pick up some COVID RX in our store, which is uh, americaoutloud.shop. And you'll be happy you did, especially during this coming up cold and flu season. It'll really help, uh, you know, protect you. And especially if you travel on airplanes and stuff. Um, there's also an interesting product called the Spike Protein Formula. Uh, this It's a supplement from, um, you know, Wellness Signature Series. It inhibits spike effects. It inhibits blood vessel blockage. It supports T-cell activity. And you can pick that up. It's gluten-free, non-GMO, and also made in the good old USA. So um, now it's time for a break. And uh, I'll be back uh, after the break with uh, more information about Ukraine, more discussion about what's going on over there, and uh, some possible solutions and ideas. Thank you, and uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells, and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution 
And now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Copix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula, with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. Healthy Cell com code out loud change in the world one person at a time here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations we know that if America fails the world will fail it is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Okay, welcome back to the Freedom Revival, folks. Uh, I'm your host, Bruce Robertson, and uh, we're talking today about Ukraine. And uh, it's an interesting discussion. There's lots of stuff going on in the news right now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to cover here, especially on this topic. And we're sending lots of money over to Ukraine. And, and, and there, you know, a lot of Americans are just scratching their heads why we're there. Well, um, first of all, there's a huge tug of war between the East and West for control of Ukraine. The country's divided between Russian-leaning folks in the, in the East of Ukraine and, you know, European Union-leaning folks in Kiev and Western Ukraine over toward the Polish border. Um, you know, Ukraine has had Nazi activity during World War II, and it's been growing there since World War II. And nobody wants to talk about the Nazis, okay? Nobody wants to talk about it, especially Zelensky and Biden and the people in our government that keep on spraying our money over there. Ukraine is also, by the way, one of the most corrupt nations in the world. There's lots of corruption there. It's a great place to do dirty business. And that may give you some inkling as to why uh, Joe Biden and all uh, the, and Hunter Biden and all the 
the uh, uh, the other uh, you know uh, usual characters, the usual suspects are involved over there. Uh, George Soros has been actively involved in Ukraine. Uh, what a shocker! His um, you know his tinkering with uh, the Ukrainian uh, currency is very well known and uh, most ukrainian people i i am not sure is he, is he banned from ukraine he might be banned from ukraine now for his activities he's banned in a lot of places and in fact he's a he's on uh criminal watch in some countries they won't let him uh they won't let him go there anymore because of his uh, manipulation currency manipulations because he makes money when he collapses uh currencies and he's very good at doing that um so uh, also the CIA and just about every spook in the world has been over there tinkering, tailoring, soldiering and spying okay, with the uh, with the Ukrainian government. They're using their same old dirty tricks, bribery, political coups, uh, election manipulation, vote rigging, color revolution, inciting riot, riots, covert activities. And, you know, generally creating chaos and turmoil. That's what they do so well under the surface. Um, you know, back to, back in 2004, there was an election in Ukraine and uh, there was uh, it was a it, it was a runoff between uh, Yanukovych and Yushchenko. OK, these are two uh, leaders of Ukraine. Um, and uh, I happen to be there. I was there during that runoff and, you know, the people had poured into the streets. It was very cold. It was November and it was really chilly, really cold. And it was snowing. And um, the uh, Russian leaning uh, Yanukovych had won the election, but the results were disputed by the exit polls. Does that sound familiar? Uh, You know, there was some vote rigging going on. Uh, some illegal ballots going on. There's all kinds of electronic games being played. Uh, so the, the people took to the streets and they packed the center of Kiev. And I was in the middle of the crowd and everybody's wearing orange. They called it the Orange Revolution. OK. And uh, from 2004 to 2005, uh, they uh, they protested sort of in the winter from November to Christmas time. To New Year's, uh, they began a huge protest against Yanukovych. And what happened is, so Yanukovych was the Russian-leaning president uh, candidate, presidential candidate, and Yushchenko was the EU, European Union-leaning president. So the people in the west of Ukraine wanted Yushchenko. The people in the right, uh, in the uh, um, east of Ukraine, wanted Yanukovych. So there was a division. It was a divide between East and West. And uh, what happened was there was a runoff. There was a revote or um, um, a special decision. And Yushchenko was declared winner by the Supreme Court of Ukraine. So the bloodless Orange Revolution had, uh, you know, by all appearances, succeeded. And uh, the West-leaning president was installed as their president. So after his term in 2010, Yanukovych, the Russian-leaning guy, he ran again and won. So so what happened? You know, he was in office a few years. There was plenty of corruption, just as there always is in Ukraine politics and, and in Ukraine in general. 
Um, <clears throat> four years later, he's into his term. Yanukovych uh, is in his term. And there was a, a protest um, about uh, uh, what was going on in eastern Ukraine because uh, the people in eastern Ukraine were talking about secession from Ukraine and joining Russia. And uh, Kiev tried to put it down. And they had a couple of violent incidences. And people, Russian-speaking population of eastern Ukraine, were prevented from, you know, selling their properties or, or, uh, or buying properties in the area if they wanted to and so forth. There was a lot of discrimination. So they came to Kiev to protest. And these people were in the streets. And um, what happened is there was um, there was an escalation of that event. And 103, 103 unarmed protesters and 13 police were killed. And it turns out that 67 of the protesters were shot by snipers from the rooftops right around the central square there uh, in Kiev city center. I mean, I've been there. Dozens of times, dozens of times. It's a beautiful area, historic. And um, so 184 people were wounded in that skirmish, and over 750 people sustained bodily injury. Uh, you know, the cases were investigated, and there was apparently a massive cover-up, and the cases were closed, and they charged the police with the shootings. But what happened is the hearings were very inconclusive. They had video evidence that didn't line up with the timelines. And, uh, you know, the, all the evidence pointed to rooftop sniper, snipers, all the video evidence, too, and the angles of the shots and so forth. So nobody was ever tried for these murders. Um, so why Ukraine? Why is everybody so concerned about Ukraine? Well, in the first half of the show, I explained it's the center uh, of Europe. It's the center of Eastern Europe. It's, it's right in the middle of everything. It's perched right on the banks of the Black Sea. So it's got a warm water port. It's got uh, really, really rich farmland. Uh, you know, the, the uh, Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe. So this got this tremendous black soil and it grows so many delicious fruits and vegetables. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just these flat plains of wheat fields and, and crops and vegetables and greenery. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's really a lush place. They've got a lot of water. They, they got a pretty moderate temperate climate climate. It's warm in the summer, cooler in the winter. Um, and, uh, you know, it's also centrally located for pipelines that run from Russia to Eastern Europe and Germany and Italy too. So, um, so here's what, what happens. This is a strategic place for, for a lot of different reasons, for agriculture, for gas pipelines. Uh, political control has always uh, focused on these types of central places like Ukraine. So, um, so who else gets involved? I mean, uh, you know, we had not NATO encroachment since World War II. Um, we've got this war brewing between Ukraine and Russia. It's a it's a bloody war, and it's a, sort of a no prisoners war. Um, how did this war happen? Well, I believe that there was uh, it was sort of engineered by the West. Uh, they keep dangling uh, NATO membership over Ukraine's head. 
they want to set up Russia as a boogeyman so that they have a natural enemy to uh, preach to their people, because that always works better in politics when you when you're against something. Uh, you know, they create fear and 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 um, you know, of course, the the real underlying uh, motivation is the greed of the politicians. So, um, so they're setting Russia up as a boogeyman, and 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 that also furthers the uh, fake Trump Russia hoax narrative. Okay, so don't uh, don't uh, uh, discount that factor. And of course, Russia has interests in Ukraine. Ukraine is the cultural and religious homeland of Russia. And the largest pipelines, as I said, uh, go through Ukraine to Europe. Um, now, there's another factor, too. Uh, have you guys heard of the Nord Stream pipeline that was built by Russia? So Nord Stream was built as an alternative pipeline for gas from Russia direct to Germany under the North Sea. Okay. And that uh, basically circumvents Ukraine. And they built that sort of, I think they built that as a backup uh, in, so that they had, uh, you know, an uninterrupted supply because the Ukrainians were kind of tinkering with the land-based pipelines sometimes. And they were they were sapping uh, uh, product out of it uh, as well. And uh, also Ukraine charges a billion a year in transfer taxes on the gas going across their land. So Russia wanted to have a backup solution. They built Nord Stream. Well, guess what? Nord Stream got blown up. Why did Nord Stream get blown up? Was it to provoke the Russians, do you think? Um, it definitely wasn't the Russians who blew it up, even though the West blamed it on the Russians. Of course, that was that was a flimsy argument. Why would they blow up their own pipeline when they could just flip the switch and turn it off? Uh, you know, if they wanted to stop gas to uh, Western Europe, they could just turn the switch off, turn the spigot. Uh, in this case, people think, a lot of experts think that it was a combination of maybe Ukrainian special forces and U.S. Navy SEALs. Uh, I don't know. It was a pretty sophisticated job blowing up the North Stream pipeline. And maybe I'm, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I think the Navy SEALs did it. Um, so we have that. Uh, you know, meanwhile, we've got all this foreign aid money laundering going on in Ukraine, all this criminal activity. Uh, we've got 26 bioweapons labs funded by DARPA and USA, USAID and uh, the National Institute of Health Infectious Diseases. That's uh, Fauci's uh, organization and uh, the Pentagon. OK, so we've got a lot of U.S. funding of these bioweapons labs in Ukraine, and a lot of them are along the Russian border. Uh, we also had the U.S. moving air defense systems into Poland and the Czech Republic. As they became NATO members, we, you know, scrambled the deck a little bit, shuffled the deck a little bit, and we moved some air defense systems closer to Russia. Well, and Poland and Czech Republic were former Russian satellite countries. So, uh, you know, that has got to make, uh, you know, Putin and the Russians uh, sort of sit up and take notice and wonder if they're being encroached upon. And um, there's also some likely human experimentation going on in Ukraine. I've been hearing things and seeing articles and so forth digging in that they were experimenting with some of these biological uh, weapons on not only on their military, 
um, on the Ukrainian military as subjects, just as the U.S. used to do uh, with the Tuskegee uh, syphilis experiments, but uh, also Tuskegee and syphilis experiments. But also, um, I have heard alarming uh, reports that uh, some of the biological experiments were being done on orphans and um, and the mentally disabled in uh, mental institutions. So orphans from orphanages who don't have anybody that you know can look out and advocate for them, and also the mentally ill in mental institutions. Uh, you know that's a developing story. So, um, but I, I've certainly heard this. I don't want to spread too many rumors, but this is something that I've heard. So that's horrifying. If that's true, that is, I mean, you know, that's just terrible. Now, there's also Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's been in, in Ukraine. He's been in, involved in Ukraine. They've got Metabiata, a company that Hunter Biden and his and his partners financed. Um, so, so we've got a lot of stri- strife and unrest. We've got corruption. We've got money laundering. Uh, Ukraine is known for also prostitution, sex slavery, human trafficking, child trafficking, arms trafficking, global computer hacking, uh, drug trafficking. And then there's bioweapons labs funded by the U.S. government. Uh, We've got Hunter Biden involved in biological research through through financing Metabiota uh, and um, so many other things going on. I mean, you got to ask why we're there. I mean, that's why we're there. Hunter Biden and Devin Archer joined the board, joined the board of a Ukrainian gas company, Burisma. Hunter was being paid eighty thousand a month for that position. Um, you know, uh, before that, Hunter Biden, John Kerry's, and and John Kerry's stepson, Christopher Hines, and Devin Archer, who is Hines's uh, college chum, they were all partners in a private equity firm called Rosemont Seneca Partners, which funded a company called Metabiota. Okay, um, so Metabiota has offices. In San Francisco, D.C., and surprise, surprise, Guangzhou, China. It has powerful ties to the Department of Defense, uh, the Defense Threat Reduction Agency, the U.S. Agency for International Development, and DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And also, surprise, to the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. In 2014, uh, about the same time those bloody clashes began in Ukraine that I just mentioned, Metabiata began receiving funding from the Department of Defense. So now Metabiata, Metabiata was financed by Hunter Biden's firm, Rosemont Seneca, and it was and still is a federal contractor, and they're doing biological infectious disease research and pro and predictive predicting. Okay, they do uh they do um they do uh, advanced uh, uh, planning and predicting of where the next pandemic is going to be as well. So um, so we've got all that going on. So, and then, okay, then you have the Joe Biden story where, uh, where Joe Biden was bragging back when he was vice president that he uh, extorted the president of Ukraine, who at that time was Poroshenko, okay, he was extorting the president of Ukraine 
with a billion dollars of U.S. Uh, loan money. He threatened to take the loan money away unless they stopped investigating. Guess what? Burisma, Hunter Biden's company. And guess what? He was on TV. Joe Biden's on video saying, well, guess what? They fired the attorney general that was investigating Burisma. Ha, ha, ha. And everybody laughed. Well, that's extortion. I mean, that's extortion. That's like gangster stuff. That's mob behavior. All right. So um, so we've got this really corrupt country. We've got all this corruption going, trafficking and bioweapons and all this stuff going on. Now, let's examine, let's examine who Zelensky is. So they, this guy Zelensky just comes up. Poroshenko left office. Zelensky ran an election. He, he supposedly got 73% of the vote. Okay. Here's what we know about Zelensky. Zelensky was an actor. He was a comedian, okay, somewhat of a media star in Ukraine. And he was involved with the producers of Ukrainian TV. So he's in a perfect position to do a mass media campaign and, and run an election. He was in a couple of shows where he even portrayed the president of a country uh, who came out of nowhere to, to rise to the presidency. It was kind of a rags to riches story, and uh, he was, he, you know, the he was uh, acting as a comedian in this role, sort of like Veep, uh, um, you know, on the on the uh, you know on TV on our TV. Uh, you know, it's it's almost like if you play the president on TV, you have a shot at becoming president. It's so disgusting. <laughs> okay, nobody talks about qualifications anymore. Nobody talks about uh, being, a, you know, a, an executive, a chief executive and having that kind of experience. It's a popularity contest. So, um, you know, he also, who is Zelensky? Well, he's the guy that danced around in high heels and bondage clothing in uh, a homoerotic video that he that was produced and shown on Ukrainian TV. Uh, he was the guy who took off his pants and played the piano with his private parts. OK, on Ukrainian TV. This is supposed to be humor. This is supposed to be comedy. Uh, he's a member of the World Economic Forum. He was invited by Klaus Schwab. He goes around the world on a world tour uh, pleading for money from Western nations for, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, he's fighting against the big bad bear of Russia. And uh, he create, tries to create sympathy. He's a very good actor. Uh, he got a standing ovation the other day. Zelensky was in Canadian Parliament, okay, making a speech, and he was there, and they all together celebrated a uh, Canadian now who was a real Ukrainian Nazi. Uh, he's a real Nazi war criminal, and this guy's 98 years old, and they all gave a standing ovation to this guy. Now, what's wrong with this picture? You know, Canada and the U.S. and Russia and and England and France uh, were all allies in this war against the Nazis and the Japanese, right? We were all allies. Russia, UK, and America were the three strongest allies in the war. Russia was our strong ally. If it wasn't for Russia, we may not have won that war. In fact, it's arguable that we won the war 
you know, Russia lost 40 million people in that war. 40 million. And we arrived kind of late, you know. Uh, Roosevelt didn't get us into the war uh, until until he needed the war to pull us out of the Depression. Anyway, um, that's just an aside. These guys got a standing ovation in Canada, in Canadian Parliament, to, with Trudeau, to celebrate a real Nazi war criminal. I mean, this guy should be, he should be celebrated. He was a Waffen SS. I mean, what are they standing up for this guy for? How can the Canadians support an enemy of Canada during the war? I mean, we're trying to fight to end the Nazis. And this guy was an SS Nazi in Ukraine, where, you know, the Nazi SS in Ukraine were doing all the genocide. They were sending the Jews to the concentration camps and burning people, locking people up in churches and burning the churches down. And I mean, you know, it it was horrible. These are all innocent civilians that they were killing. Okay. So, enough of that. One more Nazi thing. Zelensky has merged these Azov Nazi battalions in Ukraine with the Ukraine National Guard. Now, these guys, uh, you can you can see them on the internet. You can see who they are. The Russians are, are uh, you know, uh, capturing these guys as prisoners of war. And, uh, and we can see that they have uh, swastika tattoos and swastikas on their helmets and black sun uh, tattoos. And, you know, there's a well-known issue of Nazism in Ukraine and nobody wants to talk about it. So why do we support this guy? What's with the big marketing campaign for Zelensky? The mainstream narrative is Putin is a warmonger and a bad guy. Zelensky is a freedom fighter, defender, defender of de- democracy. He's a national hero. Okay. Does that sound familiar? Donald Trump is a bad guy, and Joe Biden is defending our democracy. What has Putin done? Well, you know, Putin's a mixed bag. He's enigmatic. Russia's not a free country. Uh, He's jailed, uh, indicted, or executed most of his opposition and uh, most of the dissidents. Uh, You know, it kind of sounds like the Clintons, the Obamas, and and the Bidens. I mean, you know, they've either jailed, indicted, or executed their, their opposition. You know, Russia, as I said, it's not a free country. There's still censorship of the Internet and no full no full freedom of the press. But that sounds familiar, too. Aren't we getting there under this administration? You know, Putin has rebuilt the Russian Orthodox Church. He's uh, called for a renaissance of Christianity in Russia. And, you know, for as for as um, as bad for freedom as Russia has been, he also he points to the Holy Scriptures and he says that marriage it should be defined as a union between a man and a woman. He's also condemned the Anglican church concept of a gender-neutral God. He doesn't like all this gender confusion stuff. He's also called out the West's normalization of pedophilia and gender change for minors and called for the protection of children in the world. He's condemned the destruction of the family. He's condemned the destruction of cultural and national values. He's called out Uh, the political persecution of Donald Trump, which he says are purely for political gain. He's been very vocal about the creeping NATO expansion, as you know, as can be expected. He's also been vocal about the rise of Nazism in Ukraine. And so has Alan Dershowitz uh, in in a recent Newsweek article. I mean, you can find all kinds of articles about the rise of Nazism in Ukraine. Uh, They're trying to play it down in, in the mainstream media. But I'm telling you, it's an issue over there. Okay. 
he exposed, uh, Putin did, he exposed and warned about development of covert biological weapons over there. Uh, you know, they're doing de deadly gain-of-function research so close to the Russian border. So, you know, and to be fair, you know, Putin may be a bad guy. He may not be a good guy. I'm not defending Putin here. I'm not defending Zelensky either. I think they're both uh, flawed, heavily, badly flawed. And Joe Biden is really flawed. But Putin only invaded Ukraine after warning the West and Ukraine for decades not to encroach. So, um, you know, Ukraine is... Uh, is is only a little more free than than russia is i've been there there's a lot of corruption and uh you know but what it seems like is it seems like Zelensky is following the uh agenda of the new world order and the world economic forum so that's the end of our show folks um thank you for listening to the freedom revival this is bruce robertson god bless and remember no weapon formed against you. Thank you.